Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show, OuterLimitsRadio.com. I'm your host, Ryan. Tonight, we are welcoming back to the program a beloved guest and dear friend for the fifth time. We were calling it her fourth appearance because this is our fourth one-on-one with her, and she is going to focus on the law of attraction. Our featured guest, I consider her a very cutting-edge teacher. I believe that she is somebody who is definitely meant to break and shatter long-held perceptions of reality and long-held perceptions of doing things. And the teachers that are the cutting edge, the ones that are the rule breakers, that are ones that are here to kind of create playful chaos are the ones that I tend to resonate with the deepest and the ones I get really excited about. So let us begin tonight's program. Welcome back to the program is somebody we've heard before. Her name is Miss Nancy Dennison, and she has a new book called Create a New Reality, Move Beyond the Law of Attraction Theory. You can learn more about Miss Dennison by going to her website at nancydannison.com or backwardsbooks.com. Miss Dennison, it is a great honor and pleasure to have you back on the program. Thank you so much for being with us today. Oh, thank you, Ryan. You know I always love to be on your show. Thank you. Well, before we go into your book, I just want to tell you from a firsthand experience, Last night was Halloween. We had kids coming up to our door. And in all of the years, I remember them saying, trick or treat, grab the candy, say thank you. This year, it's as if they were zombies. They didn't even say anything. They just walked up, held the bag out, and it's as if they had somebody in their ear saying, walk to your foot in front of the other. There's something wrong with these kids, and I don't know if you've seen this in your after-death experience, but do you see humanity just completely de-evolving and kind of being extinguished that particular way because we've lost all of our common senses? Oh, my. (laughs) Uh -uh. Well, you know, as I probably mentioned on your show before, my impression is that over the course of history, human behavior swings back and forth like a pendulum, you know, from really, really bad behaviors for a period of time, and then it'll swing toward really good behaviors. And when I was in the afterlife, I saw that we were coming up on the transition period between this um, epic of uh, human life and the last one. And the last one is a period of peace and tranquility and human, quote, goodness, close quote. So this during this transition period, we're going to see more and more Bad behavior. Oh, really? Really. <laughs> Rudeness. I, and and just, yeah, people devolving to animal behaviors. It's incredible. I don't know if animal behavior are cognitive dissonance, but there's so many levels or degrees of unawareness that I don't know why I see in people that 
it's just like the, the comp- decency is like I'm noticing that it's become becoming much more diminished. But just that not aware of your reality, not aware that you know how you affect your planet, and it's just strange. And we had a guest on about two weeks ago who said that there was going to be some kind of major event, and the last people on Earth were going to be sages, human sages. So does that coincide with one of your visions? Do you think the people who are going to be on Earth, the last remaining part of humanity, are going to be these sages, these shamans, these people full of wisdom? Or are they just going to be people who kind of got lucky? Um, my impression from what I saw in the afterlife is that each individual will get to choose you know, whether they want to go into the next epic or not. Uh, whether they want to stay in the body or, or return to the afterlife. And it would seem to me that the people who chose to stay are the ones who are the sages and the teachers, and they want to make things better for humanity. So, yeah, I, I say that that corresponds pretty well with what I saw. Excellent. Well, that's, uh, that's pretty wild. So I just want to know how – we're always curious about how everything's going to happen, if it's going to be some kind of man-made event or if it's going to be the Earth saying, you know what, that's it. You guys are out. We're going to move a new species on the planet. Um, nope. Nope. <laughs> what do you think is going to be again? Is it going to be some kind of worldwide event, like a major comet or something? Are we going to go to the way of dinosaurs? Well, you know, I saw it while I was in the afterlife, and I saw the entire history of, of planet Earth, including its demise. And I can remember saying to myself while I watched, oh, Earth goes the same way Mars did. <laughs> but I don't remember what it was. I don't remember how Mars got destroyed, but I had seen Mars as a green, verdant, full-of-life planet, and then something happened to it. Well, whatever happened to it, it's going to happen to Earth, too, but I don't remember what that was. All right. Well, I have to say, your book, the title, Create a New Reality, Move Beyond Law of Attraction Theory, I, I thought it was, I think it's very cutting edge, because... There's this book and this movie called The Secret, and they always hype this thing up. It's like, ah, you know, if you um, if you think about something, you can have it. And it just like just puts that out there. So, can you please explain why you maybe have some disagreements with the law of attraction? When I was before I died, I was a Roman Catholic. I had 12 years of Catholic education and six years of Methodist college. And I had a lot of spiritual beliefs, and one of them was that I attracted to me, you know, all kind of like the bad things that happened to me and the people that were not good uh, fits with my life or who hurt me. And I always thought there was something about my energy that attracted them, but I didn't know what it was. Well, when I was in the afterlife, I was told basically, you know, Source has told humanity about manifesting and that we souls inside humans can literally create physical reality. But the message has been distorted over the years. And I didn't know what, you know, that that meant until I got back into my body and years later I saw the film for The Secret. And when I was watching it, I went, oh, that's what happened to the manifesting message. It got converted into a get-rich-quick scheme <laughs> called the Law of Attraction. And, you know, one of the, the the basic premise of most religions is that, you know, God or the deity or Allah or Yahweh, the supreme being, is out there somewhere, and we're here separate from our God, and we have to earn our way to heaven somehow. 
and we have to pray for what we want, and we have, we're dependent upon the deity to control our lives and to give us good things. Well, while I was in the afterlife, I saw that none of that was true. I mean, that's what, I believed all that before I wow. died. But once I got in the afterlife, I was given the answers to all my, my questions, and I saw that none of that is true. We are not separate from our creator. We are not separate from God, the deity, Yahweh, what I call source. We actually exist within its mind in very much the same way the dream characters exist within our minds while we're in these bodies. And so we, we aren't separate, so we don't have to earn our way to heaven. And because we're not separate, we have all the spiritual powers that source has just on a little teeny tiny, you know, basis. Um, we don't have as much power, obviously. But in the model that, you know, religions follow and that the law of attraction follows, there has to be some way, you know, that they came up with to figure out how to get the power to get things that we want from God to us. So they use this scientific theory that thoughts were magnetic and they attracted from God whatever it is we wanted. And then later iterations of the law of attraction substitute the word universe for God. But that was just pseudoscience. You know, thoughts have no physical mass. They can't possibly be magnetic. Do they carry a frequency or an energy that will attract or pull? No. No? No, they have no frequency, no energy. But the most important part about it is all thoughts are sources thoughts. They don't have to attract anything. We're already there. You know, our thoughts as souls inside these bodies are sources thoughts. So all we have to do is change our mind about how we want this life to be, how we're running it, how we're organizing it, how we're behaving, and we can manifest those changes into our life. We don't have to attract anything. We do it ourselves. Okay, well, that's We've got the power ourselves. It's awesome, and that's actually the, the focus of uh, Chapter 7 in your book, which is to how to consciously manifest physical reality. So how do you consciously manifest physical reality? Why can some people manifest physical reality much faster than others? Is it about action? Is it about strong-willed? Is, can, do some people manifest differently because that is in alignment to what their purpose is here on Earth, what their mission is, and is it by being closer to your mission and your purpose that physical reality is going to manifest much faster because that is exactly what you're here to do. I'm not aware that anybody manifests faster. Okay. Um, I know that there are people, you know, when I talk to groups or when I'm doing manifesting coaching sessions, who will tell me that they are aware of manifestations that they have created. You know, they've, they've seen the correlation between focusing their attention and intention on bringing something into their life, and then it actually appears. But those manifestations kind of have a timing of their own. What we are able to consciously manifest is usually an opportunity or an event um, into our lives. And that opportunity or event will take a form that makes sense in human life. So, for example, if we want to manifest um, a new job, somebody's not going to knock on our door at 9 o'clock at night and say, hey, would you like to come work for me for $100,000 a year? 
we have to go through the human environment and the human lifestyle setting in order to get that new job. So the opportunity to have the new job may manifest the next day or maybe a week or maybe a month or maybe longer because the timing is kind of controlled by what it is you want to manifest and how easily it's integrated into the life that you're living now. Okay. So everybody has the same power to manifest. It doesn't matter, you know, what they think of themselves in terms of being enlightened or being more goal-oriented or spiritually or or anything. We all have equal power to manifest physical reality. What about the power of intention? Does that play a significant role? And I'll give you an example when it comes to power of intention. My wife and I, I um, we, we tend to go out sometimes, and I, she's kind of amazed at how easily I can drive people crazy. She's like, you do it very easily. And I'm like, well, I'm not even putting a lot of energy. It just happens naturally. But if we, um, if you want to do something else, sometimes it takes a lot more effort. So I'm curious about why some things are able to, I guess, happen easier for other people. Because, I mean, not everyone uh, generates money very easily. Not everyone has um, incredible health very easily. Even some athletes that work a lot harder than others. So why is it different for some people? Why do some people have different challenges? And, again, what is the significance? Or is there any type of significance when it comes to the intensity of intention to manifest? The manifesting formula is attention and intention, and the most powerful of those two is the intention. And by that, I mean the creative intention at the spiritual level, at the level of being part of source to create, to manifest physical reality the same way that source created the universe. That's the intention that counts. That's what can bring things into our lives. And... I, I don't know that things are easier for some people than others. And each life is unique. We all have different goals when we come here. We all have different baggage. You know, we manifest into physical reality what we truly and deeply believe about ourselves, about life, and about our place in the world. And people have different beliefs as they're going through their formative years. We start listening. We souls start listening as soon as we get inside the fetus. We are aware of the beliefs of the people around us before we're even born. And then we hear everything our parents say and all the people around us. We take all that in as little impressionable souls, and we believe every bit of it because we have no reason not to. And so we grow up with a lot of beliefs that we've misinterpreted because we we just weren't old enough to understand what they were talking about, or that we've taken a, a, made something into a belief that was not said seriously, you know, as a joke, or we just misunderstood the English of it. I mean, there's just a lot of mistaken and erroneous beliefs stored in our, our mental and emotional baggage. And some people have a lot of that, and some people have less of that. Some people have better beliefs in the terms of being healthier, and some people have a lot of what I call hindering beliefs. Yeah. But we all have the same ability to to manifest. It's just some of us have to overcome those hindering beliefs if we have them. Would you say that 
hypnosis, deep hypnosis could be effective. Psychology, could that be effective? I mean, we've seen a psychologist using um, psychedelic drugs that are being considered healing effective. What would be some of the things that you'd recommend a person can do to, I guess, heal that part of their mind where they can change at a fundamental core level their beliefs, even if it's way below the conscious level. We're talking about subconscious, deep, deep level possible. Well, I, I definitely don't recommend hypnosis or psychedelic drugs. Okay. <laughs> Psych, psychotherapy might be helpful, but it isn't really necessary. Most of the time, and, and what I'm finding in my manifesting coaching sessions with people is most of the time we're aware of these beliefs if we actually sit down and, and try to figure out the why of things. You know, like when I'm talking to somebody about um, why they're not making more money in the stock market. And, you know, a guy might say, well, you know, hardly anybody makes money in the stock market. Well, that's a hindering belief right there. Mm-hmm. So these hindering beliefs pop up if you just talk them out with somebody who's willing to listen. So it doesn't take, you know, a lot of money for psychotherapy because we're not trying to heal any kind of emotional problem. We're just trying to figure out if you've got a belief that's getting in your way because you're manifesting your life in accordance with that erroneous belief and it's not serving you well. Got it. And coming back to when it says how you consciously manifest physical reality, one of your steps you say tune out, tune out completely and then focus and concentrate and then relax your mind. So if you have an intention, let's say, of wanting to get a new job, would you say one step would be to focus, know that you love, want to have that new job, think about that job every day, and then meditate on it? Or should you just focus for a couple days, I want that new job, and then meditate and kind of put it aside and not bring any more attention to it? What are, what are your thoughts as far as um, the most effective way of physically manifesting that? The manifesting formula is attention and intention. And the attention part I have found through experience and through what I learned in the afterlife works best if you do the legwork. Like you can't just say in your mind, I want a new job. Uh, because how would you, how would you know where to look for the new job? How would you know whether you could do the new job? You know, where's it going to come from? Who's going to tell you that it exists? You have to put yourself into the environment where a new job is likely to come to your attention. And you do that by looking for a new job, doing the legwork, you know, sending out your resume, going on interviews, you know, working part-time for a placement service to see, you know, try out jobs for just short periods of time to see what you like, you know, getting information about what jobs are available in the marketplace, finding out what the pay scale is. So the attention is basically gathering information and so that you know where to look for the new job. Because like I say, somebody's not going to knock on your door at 9 o'clock at night and say, here's your new job. You have to be there when the manifestation shows up. So once you've done your attention and you know what skills you have, what jobs are out there, what job you, you might like, and what job is available, then you... Go into meditation, and it doesn't have to be a complicated, you know, meditation. You just sit quietly, make your mind a blank, no words, and you say, I'm getting a new job. 
and, and the words don't matter. What matters is the intention. You intend to have a new job right now. You will have a new job right now. And you will create an opportunity for that job to be made, you know, to come into your awareness right now. And then once you've done that, you, technically you only have to do it once. But I find since I'm back in this body, I'm, I'm afraid once it will be enough or I didn't do it right. <laughs> I did, so I do it a bunch of times, you know. But the, the key is to get outside of your human mind. Meditation allows you to step back from human thinking and be yourself as a soul. And that's what you need to accomplish in order to consciously manifest. You need to be able to be in a position where you're quiet, you've got no words going through your mind, and then all of a sudden you oh, a thought pops into your head. And you see it. You hear it when it comes in. So you're in the observer role. That observer role is you as the soul. The thought is a human mind thought. So if you can get yourself into that observer position, that witness position, that's when you form your intention to consciously manifest. What it can take two minutes. That's also and if you say coming back to the thing, if you want to get a job, you're putting out the intention saying, I want a job, and then you focus and you do exactly what you do. Does that intention have to remain at an intensity for a longer period of time so as you don't have another belief that is stronger than an original intention? So you say you want the job, but then you well, maybe two days later you're having a bad day and you say, I don't deserve that job. And the intensity behind the sadness of you not having that job overrides the hope that you deserve that job. If that happens, are you going to essentially nix your chances of manifesting what you originally had intended to? No. Those are all human thoughts. Humans have no ability to affect manifestation. You as a soul manifest your life, not the body. So once you've done you know, done your attention leg work and you've formed your intention and you've you've meditated while you're in this state of detachment from the human, all you have to do is watch and wait for your manifestation. You don't have to, you know, keep intensely intending to find the job. You don't need to carry that thought uppermost in your mind, you know, from day to day. You don't have to do anything with it. And if you have thoughts that, inter you know, you think are interfering with your intention, don't worry about them. Random thoughts do not count for anything. Well, they thank have no power. goodness for that. Because if my <laughs> random thoughts, yeah, if, if random thoughts were manifesting, there'd be a clown on every corner giving away beer. So, <laughs> for that. Nancy, there are some people who say that they would like to have a shortcut, shortcut to success, shortcut to manifestation. And I'd like to know, is there a difference between a shortcut to success, a shortcut to manifestation, and simply just going about things in a very smart manner? An example would be you are applying to, uh, to go to various universities. Now, you could handwrite letters. You can handwrite things and send it to the people, but you'd probably be more effective if you send emails. You can send 100 emails a day instead of just handwriting letters, yet they're both going to get to the same place. 
So what is the difference between taking a shortcut and going about your manifestation, trying to manifest in a smarter way? It seems to me that just spending a couple minutes meditating and forming a creative intention is a pretty short shortcut. <laughs> so I don't know how you could get any shorter than that. Um, what sometimes takes the time is the attention part, you know, the figuring out what you want and, and where you're going to find it kind of thing. And it doesn't matter whether you spend five seconds doing that or five months doing that. And each thing that you want to manifest into your life will have a different um, attention package around it. Like, for example, um, if you have a medical condition, you want to manifest healing from it. You could spend, you know, 10 minutes on the Internet researching your condition and the treatment and, you know, the prognosis and all that so that you have an idea of what kind of a manifestation will fit into human life and be accepted by your body and by your doctors and, and by you as the soul. So that's only 10 minutes of attention. And then you form your intention to heal. Or you may spend three weeks researching what kind of job might be available for you. You know, the, the amount of time and effort you have to put into it depends on what it is that you want to manifest and, and how much you already know about it. See, one of my old teachers used to say that your word is law. And he was always saying it's very important for you to say what you're yeah, going to do. Yeah, that's true about me. My word is law. <laughs> yep. Background. So okay, it, we could go home now. Just believe that. <laughs> so, is it a, is it a good practice? Is it good for you to, to for a person to do exactly what they say they're going to do, and maybe practice by saying, "I'm going to walk to the door and open the door," and then do that in order to kind of train your human to do things that are in, in alignment to uh, manifesting. Is it better that if you if if you if you do what you say you're going to do and you you build up a good rapport with that and you're doing that on a more consistent basis, does that increase your chances of you know creating the life you want in a smoother fashion? No. Okay. Humans have zero, zero. impact on manifesting. <laughs> what you want to do is get the human out of the picture. You want to get yourself <laughs> as, as distant from the human as you can. I love it. I love it. Get the human out of the picture. In terms of source, you said before that there are some people who believe in, in God or they have this perception of a human belief in God. And because I guess source can have all these different creations, it can you know, create it, manifest itself as a human being, as Earth, as a planet. Do you, believe, do you ever get the idea that there is a part of source that has manifested into the human idea of what God is? And if so, is that God actually having some influence on humanity? The reason why I bring that to your attention is because there are people who are being abused in the church. And there are a lot of these kids that are being abused. And I'm sure the kids are praying that they want the abuse to stop. And I'm sure that the people who are perpetuating the abuse want the abuse to continue. So I think that between those two, who is you and God answering the prayers of? They're probably they're answering the prayers of the, 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 the perpetuators of the violence and the, the abuse. And I see so many other times when good people are trying to, um, they want things to happen, and yet it's the people who seem to be dark. They seem to have a competitive edge. So I'm wondering, why does that happen? Is there a God that is a creation of Source's mind 
that actually is, you know, what human beings depict as God. Thinking about that. Okay. I just can't answer the regular question. I know I have. Uh, you always have the best questions. I always have 10-part questions. <laughs> okay. While I was in the afterlife, I was shown a documentary-style movie vision of how of the entire history of planet Earth, how it was created, how it evolved over the years, and how humans evolved, and how religions developed among humans. And then, then I saw the rest of you know, Earth's future and its eventual destruction. And watching that vision, and I was also given knowings, you know, mental downloads of what things meant as I watched it. What I was left with the impression of is that humans are the ones who created the God that is the the center of religions right now that source did not have anything to do with that, that humans created a God in their own image who is violent and judgmental and cruel and and all these other things that we see in humans. And the source that I got to know intimately in the afterlife is nothing like a human. And so, no, I do not believe that Source manifested into humans' minds or into the universe or into existence the type of God that humans envision. I think that's just human mythology and fantasy and superstition. But because so many humans believe that there is a God that is um, like them, I'm just wondering why that there's such a sometimes appears to be a great imbalance. Like I just wonder why that there are people who are humans that seem to be very evil and they seem to have the competitive edge. Like I, I don't understand why people who abuse others seem to get away with it. And I don't understand why there's so many horrible things. And again, I'll come back to it again for the millionth time. I can't believe that the, the way humans treat animals is so cruelly. And I always wonder, is there any, is there ever going to be a shift? I mean, are we ever going to have a shift in there? So I, I don't, whatever the, whatever those human beings are praying to, whatever they're doing, it's protecting them from, I guess, seeing the error of their ways or changing their beliefs at some point. The reason why evil humans have a competitive edge is because humans are animals, and they compete on the basis of violence and cunning and one-upmanship. And whoever is better at being a predator is going to be the better competitor. That's human nature. But they don't really have an edge over people who allow their themselves as the soul to direct the behavior of their body, to take control, and to have the body behave in a more loving and responsible and, and compassionate way. It just looks like these evil humans have a a competitive edge because they do have a competitive edge in the animal world. They do not have a competitive edge when it comes to how our lives are going to play out, um, how our afterlife will be, what kind of people we choose to be. 
we we don't have to be affected by them. And will there be a shift? Humans are animals. They were designed to be animals. They will always be animals. What makes you and me act better than an animal is training. And every single human being can train himself or herself. Not the animal itself, but the soul inside the animal can train his or her body to behave better. Parents can train their children to behave better. Society can train its citizens to behave better. We can take the responsibility ourselves to behave better. We do not have to act like animals. And there is no God protecting those behaviors. It's just that source designed humans to be wild animals. The only reason why everybody's not a wild animal is because most of us have been domesticated while we were children. My family has domesticated me because they they train me to do things. I have uh, my dogs, two dogs and cats, and they train me to get treats. They're just like, they're like, Meow, like that means a treat, and I'm trained. <laughs> and I wait for the reward. I wait, I wait to be petted, and I'm all excited. I'm like, yes, I did good. But I mean, I'll, that's just one I'll minute. I'll send you a dog treat. Thank <laughs> you. No, a human treat. Okay, human you're gonna be that way. <laughs> I'll take a dog treat or a human treat. As far as the the manifestation goes, you also talk in your book about we have the capability of physically self-healing. Based on your experience, your after-death experience, and based on your health condition, how have you applied that to your health right now? And what are some of the ways that people can enhance their healing in addition to maybe working with conventional medicine? Well, I'm going to answer that second part first. Um, What I was told in the afterlife is that the best healing modality is what we call energy healing. Energy healing modalities, and I know some of them, I obviously don't know all of them, but energy healing modalities include Reiki, chronic healing, healing touch, network chiropractic. Um, Those are the ones that I know about. But it's any kind of healing modality where the practitioner brings his or her attention and intention to healing together with your attention and intention of healing. And the two of you together are more powerful and it can affect healing together as a co-manifestors. That type of energy healing also exists in conventional medicine. You know, we have, um, you know, seen the results of all kinds of clinical trials on devices and surgeries and, and drugs. And, you know, the way they test things is, you know, half the people will get the, the drug and the other half will get what they call placebo or sugar pill. And it turns out that the people getting the placebo have almost as good a response as the people getting the drug. I mean, if you look at the clinical trials, there's only a few percentage points different. That's because of the power of manifesting. Those people who are getting the placebo believe that they're getting the the drug and that they will heal from it. The people in the clinical trial treating them believe that these people might be healing from the drug that they're taking. So it's that attention and intention to healing, again, that's 
helping the people who aren't getting the drug in the clinical trial get better anyway. They're, they're healing through manifesting. Now, how, and I always recommend, and I was told in the afterlife, you do the conventional medicine, the alternative medicine, the healing, uh, energy healing, whatever it takes, whatever resonates with you, whatever feels right, keeping in mind that human bodies have a built-in biology. Conventional medicine is designed to work with that built-in biology. And so if you pass up conventional medicine types of healing modalities, you're ignoring the basic nature of the body you're living in. And while it is possible to manifest a miraculous cure without using any conventional medicine, that doesn't happen that often. And do you really want to rely on that? So I was told, you know, pick the best of all of it. Pick the best of the conventional medicine and the alternative health and the energy healing and the self-healing. Put it all together in a big basket and hold on to it. Now, how have I applied it? I have healed myself of a lot of things. Um, I had my first near-death experience in 1994 in the course of being treated for three tumors in my right breast. By the time I got back from the afterlife, what my surgeon was sure was cancer turned out to be not cancer. And that was only because one month before my surgery, the definition of what was um, malignant had been changed. So my diagnosis was like stage zero or, you know, pre-malignant. And it never came back. I healed it. I mean, I spent a lot of time and energy healing that both before I died and, and while I was dead. I was diagnosed again with um, a different um, stage three metastatic breast cancer on the other side uh, seven and a half years ago. And I did most of the conventional medicine. But I also reached out to all the healers that I know who've read my books and who've watched my YouTube channel and asked them to add their healing energy to my own. And I'm currently in remission. And doing very, very well. I'm, I'm healthier now than I have been in years. I still have to, you know, I'm still in treatment and I still have to keep an eye on things. But, um, you know, when I was first diagnosed, you know, they were telling me they weren't sure I was going to live five years. So it's been, and it's been seven and a half. So. Well, I, I hope I, you live I a lot that. longer than that. I, I, want you, I want you to be like the world. You know, they have those things where they have like the world's oldest woman. I want you to be the world's oldest woman. It'd be awesome. I don't want to be the world's oldest woman, but I do want to old. finish this mission. <laughs> Nancy Dennison, now author of 30 books. This is awesome. Yeah. What, do, I mean, do you know what your mission is? I mean, have you, have, you, have you been fully aware of what your mission is and how far along you are as far as that mission goes? Yes. While I was... Um, in the afterlife, you know, after I saw that um, documentary vision of Earth and how religion developed and everything, then I went on to um, merge into Source and watch creation, and and I awakened to the fact that you know we exist inside our Creator, not outside of it. 
and I you know, came to understand exactly how that works. But the whole time, kind of like in the back of my mind, I was thinking, somebody ought to tell those people, you know, what I just learned in the afterlife. <laughs> and I kept thinking, well, somebody ought to tell those people. <laughs> and the next thing I know, I'm going back to my body, and I'm saying, I didn't mean me. <laughs> so my mission is to tell anyone who will listen what I learned in the afterlife. Awesome. And I remember a, a previous interview asked you, what is a powerful affirmation saying? You said, say, I am source. And I say it a lot. And I actually, some people, they say, hello, uh, what's your name? They're like, well, I'm Bob Mogg. Well, I'm source. Like S for short, you know. So they give you those weird looks. But I love it. I am source. It's a great, powerful affirmation. If you it also, is. If you also say on a daily basis that you want to remember where you are from, is that something that could help you if you have completed your mission on life and you are basically kind of hanging around for extra innings will that increase the chances of you remembering or having a greater memory of where you are from because you know as we come here we have that amnesia we don't remember that we're you know we have this illusion that we're separate I don't know I've never tried that Um, for me usually I have to read something or hear something um, and that triggers a memory. But I don't see any reason why it couldn't be spontaneous. Got it. And when it comes to training human beings, do you feel that the speaking tonality of the political leaders, the way television is presented, the certain beats, certain beats or certain visualizations that are presented on television, are, theoretically speaking, training millions if not billions of people to act a particular way? Yes, I do. I think that that is one of the very unfortunate aspects of global media and of social media and 24-hour news cycle, I think, and the violent games, you know, PlayStation and, and, you know, games on your phone and everything. I think we are conditioning humans to be numb to the terrible things they do, numb to the violence, numb to the hatred, numb to the selfishness. I think it's a, it's a wonderful, wonderful way of educating people to have all these things, but I think it's been used to further greed. And so these products and, and the news sources and all that are – they're playing on sensationalism, and nothing draws a crowd more than blood. You know, if it bleeds, it leads. You see all these horrible things happening. I, I, if I, I think about it this way, this dash, and maybe you disagree or disagree, but if I'm a person, I'm setting up dominoes. Let's say, for example, dominoes are humans. I would love to set up all those dominoes, let them all be happy for all, and then have something kind of knock them all down and enjoy watching them be knocked down. So I'm wondering, if you, you know if Source has plans to – bring some people that will be born that will, you know, change the dynamic of humanity, that could uh, have a competitive advantage, that could change the the structure or the group structure where humans or, you know, that they're a fear-based animal, they change because a couple of people are stepping up or a handful of people are stepping up with other um, knowledge and capabilities 
that conventional humans don't have. I mean, I refer to these people as superhumans. You know, sometimes we, we, humans are, are all about movies where they have superheroes, and these people defy the, the you know physical limitations and they find mental limitations. I wonder if those types of people exist or will exist in the future. That could change the course of human history. Ryan, you're doing it. You're one of them. I'm one of them. All right. People on your shows are one of them. We're not superhumans. We're aware souls. Okay. Humans have no ability to improve their animal behavior. We souls have to take control. We have to be the trainers. We have to be the leaders. We have to be the, the people on the forefront showing people how to behave. And what you're doing with your radio show and bringing uh, enlightenment and enrichment and information to the public, that's what Source has done. Give us messengers like you. Uh, thank you, Ms. Dennison. I, and I just thought for a while that I was just the person that was getting treats from my dogs and getting beer from my friends. And now it's like, oh, my God, I, I feel like, all right, got an extra purpose <laughs> we, there. <laughs> you, you can do those things, too. <laughs> Yeah, uh, they're like no, no one gets the beer like you do. I'm like, yeah, you know, go to the store and bring it back. So um, I don't know, one of those other things. As far as talents go, you obviously have a great talent. One thing is, I don't think people realize that you know we've been on the show. This is our fifth time we've had you on the show, and you're into psychology, you can fly a plane, and you worked at a law firm, 270 different lawyers. So you're doing all these different things. Do you find that a lot of people have a lot more talents and skills than they give themselves credit for, that they just don't have the passion or the interest to develop these? And also, why did you want to develop all these different talents that you have, psychology, applying the plane, working in law? Like, What was your motivational factor? I've always just been a curious person. But I think the biggest factor is I never had children. You know, children take up huge amounts of time, you know, for their parents and their siblings. And while I wasn't taking care of children, I was taking classes and things. You know, I, I took classes on how to cook. I learned how to fly. I learned how to paint. You know, I, went, I spent 12 years at Columbus College of Art and Design. Um, you know, I was using these things because I was interested in them, but they were also filling my life with joy. Because I didn't have children to fill my life with joy. And of all the engagements that you've had in your life, what would you say would be the the one where maybe it wasn't necessarily the one that was going to help people, you know, become less fearful of death and become more aware of source, but was personally just fulfilling for you? No, I, I have an answer to that. It's taking it's taken me a few seconds, but. I am getting a lot of fulfillment, and I'm probably getting more out of this than my my readers, but I get a lot of fulfillment out of doing these manifesting coaching sessions. You know, people sign up, and I, I listen to them and what they want to manifest, and things just start popping into my mind about, you know, how to help them, you know, what attention they need to give and, and how to do the intention and helping them find hindering beliefs. And I just find that so rewarding I hope they do too but for me it's it's soul work and, and that's the most rewarding work we can do 
I think it's wonderful that you're doing it because this is the first time I've ever known you that you're actually offering to work with people one-on-one. So it's, <laughs> I know. It's, I think it's pretty awesome that people can read your books and they can you know, absorb all the knowledge and then ask you questions about it. So that's one of the things that I love having you on the show because we can ask you a lot of questions. As far as your book, Create a New Reality, Move Beyond the Law, Move Beyond Law of Attraction Theory, what do you think what what is your biggest hope for this book? Can I go back for one second and finish absolutely. answering a question? Oh, absolutely, sorry. Okay. Uh well I I got lost. Um do people have more talents than they know about? Mm-hmm. The answer is yes. We all have a wide range of talents. It just that most people don't have the time to find out. You know, they don't have the time to take classes to learn if they can do something. They don't have the time to develop a skill in mechanics or painting or whatever. So, yes, we are all talented. And I think if you have the opportunity to explore your talents, you should do it. Okay, so what was that last question? What is my goal? Yeah, so, we, so you have the new book, Create a New Reality, Move Beyond the Law of Attraction. I'm wondering, I really hope that this book – but completely undermines all those other things that are out there with the law of attraction because I keep on hearing it all the time and how it's it really is it's like a short, you're right it's a shortcut so I hope that people utilize your book but it, there was two things that you hope happens with your book what is the two things you hope people take away from this well my goal for this book is to help the the two things I want people to take away are we are powerful spiritual entities inside these bodies we do not have to live an animal life unless we want to and it's perfectly all right if that's what you want to do the other thing is we can heal we can heal ourselves we do not have to suffer in pain and in emotional pain and spiritual pain, we source has given us the tools to heal, and, and I hope everybody will take the opportunity to try to use those tools. Excellent. And the last question I have is: Let's say, for example, that there are two or three different sources. Let's just put that in mind. And then we have the idea that sometimes, I guess, we know that people, human beings, can communicate telepathically. So a thought jumps from one person to another. Do you ever get the idea or a feeling that if there are multiple sources out there, that a thought from one source could jump to the thought to another source? And you, even though you are a thought manifestation of one being in source, that you could find yourself in an entirely different source that has a whole different set of rules and realities compared to the one for which you were created from? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just curious. Because I, I always wonder if I, I want to go. Because, you know, I like to shop around. I'm like, is this the best source I can be a part of? Am I, am I the best <laughs> Well, Ryan, I think it's pretty much the only choice you get. I know. I'm stuck with this. Miss Nancy Dennison, I want to thank you so much for being with, being with us today. Again, Nancy's new book is called 
create a new reality, move beyond law of attraction theory. You can learn more about Ms. Dannison by going to her website at nancy, N-A-N-C-I, Dannison.com and backwardsbooks.com. And if you go to nancydannison.com, not only are you going to be able to purchase Create a New Reality, you'll be able to get some of her previous books and some of these CDs, How to Fest Physical Reality and How to Manifest in Creation, Not Attraction. I've listened to these CDs. It's been very fulfilling. Nancy, I love you so much. Great honor to have you with us today. It's a wonderful Love you too, Ryan. Thank you. Okay, everyone, that concludes today's edition of the Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show. Special thanks to our beloved guest and dear friend, Ms. Nancy Dennison. And special thanks, as always, to the Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show virtues, Ms. Carrie O'Connor, Ms. Lisa Caza, and Ms. Constance Stellas. To learn more about the Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show, please go to our website at OuterLimitsRadio.com. Until the next time we meet, my friends, I wish upon you an abundance of peace. Love and beards. Take good care. Thank you so much for listening. Oh, and if you love our show, please give us a positive review on iTunes. It's not for our egos, but it just gets more people to check out our show. So thank you very much. Want to be heard or seen in front of millions of people? Want to be an expert on TV or radio? Goldman McCormick PR is a New York City-based public relations agency that specializes in traditional and social media placement for law, finance, media, and corporate-based clients. Goldman McCormick PR also are specialists in website development, radio show creation, press conferences, media training, and so much more. Check out GoldmanMcCormick.com for more information. GoldmanMcCormick.com Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.